Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Who knew pronouns could be so controversial? I was certainly not aware of what a hot-button issue pronouns would become in the 2020s when I was learning grammar back in the seventh grade. But lest I get a shoe thrown at my head, I don't want to talk about my pronouns or your pronouns. But this Trinity Sunday, I want to talk about God's pronouns. God's pronouns get really interesting in today's Genesis reading. Did you catch it? It turns out the Bible was not written in English. I know, it's surprising, considering how clear some folks think that scripture is. In fact, it was written in multiple languages across multiple centuries. Some of the writers we know, and some of them we don't. And sometimes writings from different authors appear to be crammed together in the same book. Much of scripture contains no sort of punctuation. Heck, some of it doesn't even contain vowels. So in order to read scripture, we have to rely on translations. And these translations are always the first step of interpretation. Anyone who speaks a foreign language can tell you that language is not like math. Two does not always equal two. Sometimes the language we are translating from does not contain an English equivalent, and vice versa. So our translators do the best they can. Sometimes they aim for beauty, like the King James Version. Sometimes they aim for accuracy, like the NRSV. And sometimes they aim for relatability or readability, like the Common English Version. The translation we use in church is the NRSV. And this morning, they do a pretty fair job of the Hebrew. I want to point you to one specific line where God's pronouns become very important. In chapter 1, verse 26, Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. This is the beginning of the cosmos. God is by himself, and he is speaking to himself in the plural. Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. This is an accurate translation of the Hebrew. Of course, this was written down by humans millions of years later. Unfortunately, no scribe was available to record God's actions at the dawn of creation. But the use of plural pronouns in this statement seems to indicate that God the Father was not the first and that Jesus and the Holy Spirit came later. Rather, we see the triune God, God in three persons, from the very beginning of time itself. God is three whole persons in one substance, unified, co-eternal, and indivisible. God is in community with himself, and we are made in the image of this God. No one wants to preach on Trinity Sunday. It is a running joke that in every pulpit today, there will be a seminarian, or a curate, or a deacon, 
doing their best to preach a non-heretical sermon. You may remember that last year. This was Lawanda's first sermon with us. And there is a reason every clergy person gets really shaky when it comes to preaching on such a core area of our doctrine. It's hard. So today, all over the U.S. at least, many priests or seminarians are struggling to describe a triune God we can't possibly wrap our heads around. They'll use words like perichoresis or ineffable or discuss the difference between the economic trinity and the imminent trinity. And the people in the pews will be no closer to understanding the God they so desperately want to know. There is no way to boil down God into a simple concept. God is not simple. Any attempts to simplify God and shove him in a box are very quickly labeled heresy, which is also why no one wants to preach on Trinity Sunday. (laughs) So put on your heresy hunting hat and let me talk to you about what the Trinity is not. It is important to note that the Trinity is not three separate gods or divine beings. God tells us quite a bit in the Old Testament that he is the one true God. We should believe him. Another danger is to think of the Trinity as consisting of two who's and a what. While it's easier to see the Father and Jesus as people, the Spirit is a person as well. And while the most unpredictable, the Spirit is the way we most often meet God working in the world today. Too often, we pull out a certain member of the Trinity as being the most important. Some believe the Father is the most powerful, and that Jesus and the Spirit somehow fall in line or serve him as master. Some idolize Christ and his sacrifice to the point of minimizing the glory of the other two persons of the Trinity. It is important to note, however, that all three persons are indeed God and are equally important to our lives and to our understanding of God. Instead of thinking of the Trinity as a triangle, perhaps we should think of them slash him as a circle. No person of the Trinity is more important or more powerful. They are all God. The Trinity is not different forms which God takes in the world at different times. So you may have heard that God is like water. Water can take the form of an ice cube or a liquid or a vapor. But God is not just switching job hats or forms here. He's not going into father mode or son mode or Holy Spirit mode, or as we often hear it, creator, redeemer, or sustainer. God is not a certain person of the Trinity at the time he takes a certain action in the world. All three persons of the Trinity exist concurrently. We see this in the creation story this morning when the Holy Spirit moved over the waters of creation as the Father formed the world and Jesus was the Word. We also see this in the baptism of Jesus when the Spirit descends on Jesus and we hear the Father's voice. Some of you may have heard the Trinity described as a shamrock or the sun or an egg, or three-in-one shampoo. (laughs) Please, just don't. (laughs) I could go into each one of these and and why they aren't good descriptions, but I like you people, and I want to keep you awake this morning. (laughs) God is not simple. As much as we may not like it, 
There are things in this world we cannot explain. And that is okay. I've given you a lot of examples of what the Trinity is not like. But get your pitchforks ready. Because I'm going to leave you with one analogy of what the Trinity is like. The Trinity is like one of those magic eye 3D pictures. You know the one that at first glance is just a pattern of colors or shapes? If you focus too hard on it, you miss the magic. But if you blur your eyes or cross them or relax them, suddenly a 3D picture of a sailboat or a car becomes clear. Sometimes we can't see things because we are straining so hard to see them. Sometimes we fail to understand because we cling to knowledge too rigidly. Sometimes we should embrace that there are things too big and too powerful for us to understand. Our God is a God that is too big, too powerful, too awesome, and too loving to be fully understood by our limited human brains. And that's okay. But even though we cannot understand God, that does not mean we cannot know God. Faith is not logical, and it's not simple. Faith just is. Do not confuse me saying that the Trinity is a difficult doctrine with saying that it is an unimportant one. The Trinity is one of the most important doctrines we have. It is key to helping us come to know God. But don't miss the forest for the trees. Do not focus so hard on understanding the Trinity that you fail to experience the Trinity, both in your life and in the scriptures. God, three whole persons in one substance, unified, co-eternal, and indivisible, loves you and wants a relationship with you. We may not understand God, but we can be present with him, walk with him, and talk with him. So don't get lost trying to understand the mechanics of the Trinity, the depths of our theology, or the implication of the Hebrew pronouns we use for God. Rather, just be in relationship with them. Him. God. Amen.